Welcome to your Canadians Connection on Rocket Sports Radio. This premier hockey podcast featured on allhabs.net brings you the latest news, in-depth analysis, and expert commentary about the NHL's most storied franchise, the Montreal Canadiens, with your hosts, Joe Whalen and Rick Stevens. Our team of credentialed journalists provides behind-the-scenes insight on the Canadians, designed to inform, entertain, and engage Habs fans around the globe. We are proud to be the trusted source for all things Habs for more than a decade. This is the Canadians Connection Podcast. Hello there, everyone, and welcome to the Canadians Connection podcast here on Rocket Sports Radio, keeping you informed, engaged, and entertained. My name is Joseph Whalen, and I'm going to be your host for the next hour. This is episode 122 of the Canadians Connection podcast, and I'm pleased to be joined in studio by my fine co-host, the editor-in-chief, the founder, the president of Rocket Sports Media, Mr. Rick Stevens. Rick, how are you doing today? Good morning, sir. And good I can morning. say good morning. <laughs> We're recording a little bit earlier this. Uh, Just this, a little yeah, bit. Yeah, a little bit. Yeah. Um, we have the <laughs> traditional Super Bowl Sunday. Yeah. Uh, tomorrow. And um, and the traditional for the, the Montreal Canadiens. The tradition is to, to play matinee games on the Saturday and Sunday. No game tomorrow for the Canadiens. But we do have a game in Ottawa to, to get in today. Uh, just following our, our podcast, um, in that spirit of uh, the Super Bowl. Yeah, and it's not going to be at the Bell Center as it traditionally is. It's mm-hmm. going to be in Ottawa, as you mentioned, so that'll be a little bit different. Uh, but Rick, yes, you said we are recording this a little bit earlier than we would typically be recording this because of those because of that uh, matinee game, but. Rick, yeah, you said it. Tomorrow is Super Bowl 55, and you know me. I'm I'm not a big football guy. Full disclosure, Mm -hmm. not a big football guy. I don't know much about football. But last year, I was riding with the Kansas City Chiefs because Andy Reid and I share a birthday, March 19th. So that's what I'm going with again. Yeah, like, listen, as far as my football knowledge goes, that is the best reason (laughs) that I could possibly be going, (laughs) could be riding with the Kansas City Chiefs. Uh, but I also know that uh, that you don't want Tom Brady to win uh, another Super Bowl championship. That would not uh, that would not be a fun time. Uh, That's I don't true. Think. And so, and listen, we're yeah. we're not uh, on board for any um, Boston New England team yeah. or or former member of the team um, on, <laughs> on this podcast. So uh, I'm I'm with yeah, you. Yeah. I'm with you. And Boston and Boston sports fans have fully embraced uh, the Buccaneers. There's some uh, merch that's being sold in front of Gillette Stadium, I understand. I saw on Twitter okay. the other day. So yeah, they have fully embraced uh, Tom Brady and the Tampa Bay Buccaneers or Tampa Bay Buccaneers as, as some say. of them are uh-huh. calling them. Yeah. But Rick, it is, as we said, the 55th Super Bowl this weekend. 55 of these that they've done and a big game a big game like this deserves a big prize, not just some trophy. And DraftKings, the official daily fantasy sports partner of Super Bowl 55, has up to $55 million Whoa. in total prizes up for grabs with their Super Bowl prediction pool. Now, how about that? 
Now, all you have to do to get your share of these huge prizes is to enter the DraftKings free Super Bowl prediction challenge. Once you submit your picks, you'll get a free instant prize up to $25,000. And if you have the most predictions correct, you could win the top prize of $1 million. So how do you get uh, on board here? Uh, All you have to do is download the app now, enter the free prediction challenge, answer questions like who'll score last, and boom, get ready to make it rain. And DraftKings has paid out over $7 billion to its players since 2012. So uh, they know a thing or two about big paydays. So download the DraftKings app now and use the promo code THPN to enter the free $55 million Super Bowl prediction challenge. Everyone gets an instant prize up to $25,000 just for playing. So use promo code THPN now and enter the free $55 million Super Bowl challenge only at DraftKings, the official daily fantasy partner of Super Bowl 55. Terms, conditions, and eligibility restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com for details. That is DraftKings.com. Well, that sounds Um, like fun. Yeah. Yeah, that sounds like a great opportunity. You're going to want to do that. And, uh, yes, use promo code THPN. And, Rick, you and Amy touched on that on this most recent episode of the Press Zone, and perhaps we'll be touching on that a little bit later on. Uh, in this show we ourselves. We sure will. Uh, so, Rick, with all that said, we'll dive in to what will be a jam-packed show, as we said, recording it just a little bit earlier than we usually would be recording it. Uh, but, Rick... Coffee helps. It was... Coffee helps. Coffee helps. I'm, I'm not a coffee drinker. I'm a tea drinker. But all I right. had my cup of tea, so I'm, I'm good to go. That's as much caffeine <laughs> as I'm getting, so... <laughs> but, Rick, it was uh, quite a busy week for the Montreal Canadiens. Uh, since we last spoke... They've played four games. Um, of course, you remember last week we were talking primarily about the home opener against the Calgary Flames, and then they were, of course, playing a uh, second game in that two-game set on the Saturday night. And we mentioned last week that Jacob Markstrom was not in between the pipes on the Thursday night. He was, in fact, in between the pipes on the Saturday night, and uh, he made Montreal's life difficult because he was great between the pipes for the Calgary Flames. Montreal had their opportunities to get some chances, um, but they did not make good on those, and they lose that game 2 to nothing. Then you flash forward a little bit, back playing the Vancouver Canucks, and the good times kept on rolling for the Montreal Canadiens against the Vancouver Canucks. In the first half of the back-to-back, you get great performances from Jeff Petrie, Arturi Lekkinen, Nick Suzuki, and Carey Price, and, and that leads the Montreal Canadiens uh, to victory. In the second half of the back-to-back, Tyler Toffoli and Josh Anderson, but mainly Tyler Toffoli because, uh-huh. my God, that between-the-legs goal, his second of the night. Uh, but he and Josh Anderson, both with two goals in that game, and Tyler Toffoli just continues his dominance over his former team uh, with two goals. And uh, Thursday night, uh, it was a bit of a disappointing night for the Montreal Canadiens. They lose that one 3-2 against the Ottawa Senators, and the Canadiens started well enough. Uh, Brennan Gallagher got them on the board first. But two goals from Thomas Shabbat and Tim Stutzla to end the first uh, gave Ottawa something to feel good about, and they just kept those good feelings going the rest of the way. Shut out Montreal. Or, well, not shut out, but they shut down Montreal uh, the rest of the way en route to that 3-2 victory, as I said. And if you want more comprehensive post-game reviews for any of the games that I just discussed, 
head over to allhabs.net. Uh, Rick Stevens has crafted some great post-game reviews of all of those games that you're going to want to check out. Recaps Rick, and was, some thoughts yeah. and, and uh, interesting week for the Canadians who haven't yeah. uh, really faced much adversity, um, but um, uh, uh, 50%, uh, two wins, two losses. So uh, that's that's a little bit of adversity uh, that they've been fa- that they'll have to face and, and take into their game this week. Yeah, and uh, it's going to be very interesting to see how they respond, particularly to that last game against the Ottawa Senators, because you're going to run into a hot goalie like Jacob Markstrom. I don't know if you you make too much out of that game and the Canadians had their chances, but yeah, we're going to be discussing a little bit more in depth uh, that Ottawa Senators game on Thursday. And, and really, I mean, the Montreal Canadiens for a short time this week occupied first place in the North Division. So that's going to be our big topic segment. <laughs> and first place in the NHL, uh, yes. briefly, uh, but <laughs> briefly. they were there. They were in the penthouse this week. Yep. So we're going to be discussing the long journey that it's been from being the 24th ranked team last year, finishing 24th at the time that the season ended, to being first place earlier this week. But as you said, it was a brief appearance in the penthouse, but the Montreal Canadiens were there uh, nonetheless. So we're going to be discussing that. Uh, and why exactly they are not in the penthouse anymore <laughs> in the second segment. Uh, but Rick, we'll move on because just wanted to say that this week, um, well, well, last week, my, my weekly column, the three stars column. So the week before it was Tyler Toffoli and the NHL concurred, agreed with me that he was the first star of the week uh, around the NHL, not just for the Montreal Canadiens. This week, it was I, I picked Carey Price. And the reason why was because you go back to the game against the Calgary Flames. You go back to the way that he's performed, I think, all season long, Carey Price. And, I mean, it wasn't until that Ottawa Senators game that he lost in regulation. He's been fantastic for the Montreal Canadiens, and he was a familiar face that was the first star of the week for the Montreal Canadiens, but you had to give him that nod because Carey Price, and, and we saw some of the people that were saying about Carey Price following that Ottawa Senators performance, the goals... People wanted to say that they weren't good goals. I don't know if I'd agree with that, but Carey Price, I think, has been as good as you could expect. The only goals that have gotten by them by him are deflections, perfect shots. I mean, there's not much else he can really ask. It's true, and um, you know, absolutely dominant in games two uh, and six. Um, first star in both of those games, um, and um, listen, it's it's. It's nice, uh, a, a nice problem to have to have uh, two goaltenders who are playing well. Um, you know, I, there's uh, there's some interesting quotes by the media this week that um, that they have to they have to stir controversy because when the Canadians are always winning, there's there's nothing really yeah. exciting to, <laughs> to to write about. There's there's nothing to bring in clicks. Uh, bring in uh, traffic, so they need to create some some controversy. So I, I think that's where a lot of this is coming from. It's uh, manufactured more than than anything else. Uh, but uh, I agree. Uh, great pick by you. That's um, uh, two weeks in a row. Um, you've had uh, great picks. All uh, all of the picks uh, have been uh, very good. Um, and it's it's a it's a great new column uh, that appears every Sunday. Um, you pick the three stars of the week for the Montreal Canadiens, and it's uh, it's an absolute must read at yeah, allhabs.net. I, 
I appreciate that. Yes, at allhabs.net, you're going to want to seek out all the great content over at allhabs.net. But yeah, Carey Price this week was joined by Corey Perry and Isperi Kotkaniemi um, in that uh, three-star of the week uh, column that I do every week, as you said, that appears on Sunday. Um, so, Rick, we will move on because we do have some roster news to get to, some interesting stories. Uh, we'll start with Cole Caulfield because he was named Big Ten Hockey First Star of the Week. He was. Um, he had uh, four goals in, in that series against uh, Michigan State. Uh, yeah. They're, they're, uh, they were, uh, Wisconsin was pretty dominant there. Um, seven points um, last week, uh, and uh, that led uh, the nation, collegiate scoring, and, and so uh, was named as you said, first star for the Big Ten Conference. Um, he's now uh, got a 10-game uh, point streak going, and um, and it's been a while. Uh, November 25th, he was last named uh, first star uh, for the Big Ten, and uh, but he's really put it together since he's come back from the World Juniors. Uh, he's been uh, rather dominant, and, um, and it's great to see uh, him getting things together. Absolutely. And perhaps that gold medal, even though, I mean, you could talk about his contributions to that American team, maybe not being as, you know, uh, especially great as that of Trevor Zegras or anybody else, but maybe that gold medal gives him a little bit of confidence going forward. And that'd be a a great thing. Um, But Rick, uh, another interesting story, the Laval Rocket season uh, start is on hold. And uh, I will say you're going to want to check out Reports, including daily reports, including audio from players and coach Joel Bouchard at AHLReport.com. But an interesting story there. Uh, The AHL got underway um, as scheduled last night, uh, February 5th. uh, The first AHL games were played. Um, The uh, Lavelle Rockets uh, did not. And uh, we don't know when they'll be starting um, as, uh, as we go to air. A um, couple issues going on there. We, we talked about uh, Calgary's affiliate Stockton uh, relocating uh, to Calgary and uh, yeah. will play their games there. So the schedule had to be changed. But uh, the more difficult problem is with the Ontario teams, uh, the Toronto Marlies, uh, Belleville Senators. They still don't have approval to play from the Ontario government. And um, so there's been rumblings that... Uh, they might start on the road until that's all hammered out, um, but we still don't have a schedule. And uh, and as Joel Bouchard said, it may have to be a little flexible. But so for now, uh, the Rocket are have to be content with practicing, with uh, internal scrimmages, um, uh, red white scrimmages. So. Um, a- AHL.report is is the, the place to go for all the information. Uh, Chris G., Amy Johnson, um, they have daily reports, including a, a lot of great audio um, from the uh, Lavelle Rocket training camp. Absolutely. You're going to want to check out that content and uh, not going to want to miss it because, yeah, it's a, it's a very interesting story and an unfortunate bit of news for the for Lavelle Rocket, who I'm sure would like to get some game action going. But uh We'll see how that all progresses. Uh, Rick, we did have some really strange storylines that emerged, uh, particularly out of that Calgary game on last Saturday night. Uh, Josh Anderson uh, left the game early uh, with flu-like symptoms. And as uh, for the 
I don't want to say this, but out of an abundance of caution, mm-hmm. uh, he was taken out of that game <laughs> and removed from that game. Thankfully for Josh Anderson, for the Montreal Canadiens, for everyone involved, uh, was not COVID related. He uh, tested negative. He, he was fine. It was just a flu-like symptom. I, I think deviating from some some food that he had had before the game. I, I'm not quite sure exactly if that was confirmed or not, but flu-like symptoms were the reason he was removed. Nothing to do with COVID-19, thankfully. Out of an abundance of caution is kind of the catchphrase for yeah. this season. <laughs> uh, we've, we've seen other teams, um, you know, games postponed and whatnot. So once these things crop up, uh, they have to, uh, the medical staff jumps in, makes a decision. Uh, Josh Anderson out uh, mid-game. Uh, he had tested um, negative that day. Uh, and then uh, tested negative again the next day. So all was fine there, knock on wood. Um, but uh, a little bit of a scare for uh, yeah. for the Canadians. And, I mean, to have to go it on the Saturday now, obviously with the benefit of knowing that Josh Anderson is fine, but it was a... It was not fun for the Montreal Canadiens going without Josh Anderson against the Calgary Flames last week. And you saw that once he had returned against Vancouver. Yeah, that was a that was an element that you did not want to have removed from the Montreal Canadiens. But of course, he was not feeling the best. So probably uh, for the best that he did not play. Uh, But Rick, in addition to that, uh, there was a false positive scare for the Laval Rocket as well. Well, and and that's the the issue, right, is is that. Sometimes these tests aren't uh, 100% accurate. There mm-hmm. was a, a positive test with the Laval Rocket. They canceled. They actually canceled uh, a scrimmage um, and uh, that they were going to do on, on Sunday night. And, and um, but they determined that the the positive was false. It was a problem with the test, not with uh, their personnel. Uh, so uh, they, they're back on track again. But again, it's the kind of thing that uh, upsets schedules, upsets plans, and uh, probably uh, for, for a period of time upsets a lot of the players and, and team personnel. Yeah, it's definitely not normal to be experiencing this type of thing in the regular season. And yeah, you can understand players being frustrated with their schedules being thrown off and things being a little bit more up in the air. Uh, than they usually would be. Um, but Rick, another very strange storyline, uh, that, that's a bit of a theme, uh, is Charlie Lindgren. Uh, he was unavailable for the Vancouver game, and uh, it was bizarre circumstance that surrounds it, and we're not exactly sure why exactly that was the case. I haven't really um, been very forthcoming on this one. Uh, that is the Canadians. Uh uh, we, we noticed that uh, Charlie Lindgren, of course, is part of the taxi squad, required third goaltender this season in uh, the National Hockey League. Um, and we noticed that that Caden Primo was called up and put on the taxi squad and uh, uh, briefly, and Charlie Lindgren was sent to Laval. Um, asked about it, and we're, uh, we were told that uh, it was a paper transaction. It turns out it was... Um, uh, Charlie Lindgren, and we don't know why, was unavailable for that game. So, um, you know, had uh, the Canadians uh, gone through two goaltenders, Caden Primo would have would have seen action. He had to be prepared to go that night. It was brief. Um, he's back uh, to Laval, part of the scrimmages, and Charlie Lindgren now part of the taxi squad. 
yeah, it was a sort of a blink and you miss it type of thing. But yep. yeah, it was it was very if, if things had gone awry for the Montreal Canadiens, you would have seen Caden Primo between the pipes. Um, but yeah, it was it was certainly a strange thing to see. But um, thankfully, Charlie Lindgren back and everything is sort of back the way it should be. Um, Rick, uh, back to regularly scheduled programming a little bit here. Uh, Victor Mete uh, has asked for a trade, according to his agent, Darren Ferris. This was a story that broke last Saturday night uh, and sort of sent shockwaves on Montreal Canadiens Twitter. Everyone was up in arms about this. and In the middle uh, of a Mark, game. In the middle of a game, yeah. This happened in the middle of a game. Uh, and everyone up in arms about this. And, of course, it was a game the Montreal Canadiens lost to nothing, so there wasn't much to speak of about the game itself. So people started talking about Victor Mete. And uh, this was a request to Darren Ferris and Victor Mete. Um, they, they requested it, and Mark Bergevin denied Victor Mete that request. And denied it even happened. Um, yeah, it, yeah. So, um, and, you know, there's, there's all kinds of, of, of uh, cross stories here. And, and Claude Julien said, uh, no, he had spoken with Victor the previous week, and there wasn't an ounce of frustration in the young man. He was happy as anything. So there's there's a, a lot of spinning going on here. Yeah, uh, clear. I think that uh, that Mete is is not happy, um, and we've got a, a clip from him coming up that I think is pretty uh, will support that. Um, he sees, I think he sees uh, the landscape before him. Yeah. That uh, if he doesn't get in. And uh, and show what he's what he can do. There's a whole troop of of uh, defensemen um, on the development side that are coming up in the ranks, and and he's likely to be passed in the depth chart uh, pretty soon. So uh, looking for a new opportunity, and um, we'll we'll see how that all plays out. Uh, Mark Bergevin not not too anxious to make the trade because. You know, uh, Victor Mete uh, is can step into the lineup if there are injuries, um, and uh, as far as as uh, value, um, he's he's not very expensive, and and uh, so you can see that that uh, that Bergevin wants that insurance uh, just in case he needs to use it. Yeah, and uh, you know, Victor Mete, good skater. I mean, there's a lot to like about Victor Mete, but it's clear at this point in time that you want to have Alexander Romanoff in the lineup. And this is the problem. Because Victor Mete requested that trade, the Montreal Canadiens felt the need to insert him into the lineup when things were going well, when the lineup was playing very well. I mean, listen, they lost 2 nothing against Calgary. That's as much to do with Jacob Markstrom running into a hot goalie. That, that's basically what you can account that loss for. So what happens after that is you have Brett Kulak, who is scratched, who has been playing very good hockey for the Montreal Canadiens, going back to the bubble in Toronto. So he's healthy scratched for the first game against Vancouver, which the Canadiens win quite handily, 6-2. to two, So that's fine. The next night, Alexander Romanoff is scratched, and you see Brett Kulak and Victor Mete as the bottom pairing. And this just sort of throws everything out of rhythm a little bit. It's not necessarily that Victor Mete played poorly. I don't want to say that, but it was clear that he and Alexander Romanov did not have the chemistry in that first game against Vancouver that Kulak and Romanov have had to this point in the season. Um, and then the second night, I mean, Victor, uh, Victor Mete is fine. I, I don't think that there's anything inherently wrong with playing Victor Mete. It's just Alexander Romanov has been so good. <laughs> 
You would, you don't want to say it, so I'll say it. Send, send yeah. your cards and letters to me. Uh, Victor Meto <laughs> was not very good in that first game that he played. Yeah, yeah. Um, and um, yeah, he, he we like him, uh, but he he did not look good at all. Um, and uh, and then when you had uh, Mete and and Romanov together. Then Romanov didn't had no. had his worst game. Um, yeah, they as as our friend uh, Mike Rashel said, you got two gambling kind of guys uh, in the lineup, and and uh, who's who's the one to to take some responsibility there? They both looked uh, not great. Um, so I, I guess for me it was, you know. Um, uh, Romanov goes up to the press box and and it's like what did I do uh, you yeah. know and and um, uh, then when he comes back it's it's uh, he's lost a bit of the momentum he's lost a bit of the confidence you just it was it was kind of an unforced error I think uh, by the Canadians um, that responding to a disgruntled uh, uh, player and uh, it it really upset kind of the you know the third pairing has been solid um uh, up yeah. until that point um Kulak and Romanov have looked good together and it was a worry coming it, it was an unknown at, at the very least coming into the season um and uh and and they they've been solid uh to the point where Romanov was the third uh, most used defenseman um and it, it, you know, you saw when Romanov was out, uh, that upset the the second wave of the power play. Yeah. And and there's all kinds of ripple effects. So, um, the the Canadians felt they had to respond to to uh, the agent or to to Victor. And uh, for those two games, things weren't quite the same on the back end. Yeah, and I think I think Victor might have found his footing a little bit playing with Brett Kulak, but when it was Alexander Romanov and Victor Mete, there was a lot of running around in their yeah. own zone, and it did not look very pretty uh, for those shifts that they played together. Um, and, and to the point where you saw some times where Romanov was out with Petrie, and there was just a little bit of mixing it up in some cases early in that game before they sort of found their footing a little bit. Uh, but Rick... In addition to that, so you had Alexander Romanov miss a game because of a healthy scratch, and then you run the risk of potentially losing him because he was injured in practice on Friday. He was fine. He's fine. He's fine. But, I mean, that's how things can happen, right? You you have him sit out a game for no real reason, and then you could lose him for potentially a lot longer than that off of a weird play in practice. Tinkering with the hockey gods and, and yeah. make you pay, right? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> uh, as Jonathan Drouin, uh, a, sh- a shot from uh, Jonathan Drouin hit uh, Romanoff right in the face, uh, in the mouth. Mm. He was bleeding, uh, required stitches, uh, but Claude Julien uh, confirmed that uh, Romanoff would be making the trip to Ottawa. Uh, didn't confirm that he'd be in the lineup, but uh, you can expect uh, him to be there. I, I, I expect, uh, none the worse for wear. Yeah, yeah, he's a, <laughs> he's a tough customer. Listen, we saw that hit that he laid on uh, on Thomas Shabbat. That was yeah. probably the highlight of the night for the Montreal Canadiens right. against the Ottawa Senators. So, uh, yeah, no worse for wear for uh, Alexander Romanoff. Clean hit, perfectly clean. Nick Paul didn't like it, but, uh, you know, that was a clean hit. Speaking of hits and potentially not being clean, uh, we go back to last Saturday night, Rick, and we saw a hit from Dylan Dubé. On Yasperi Kotkaniemi, um, Yasperi Kotkaniemi just turned to face the other side of the ice, and here comes Dylan Dubé with uh, 
a hit that he finished a little bit high on. And um, look, I, I don't, I like Dylan Dubé, um, but that was a, not a very good looking hit and one that had Montreal Canadiens fans up in arms because the Montreal Canadiens were the ones who were assessed a penalty on this play, not the Calgary Flames. The Montreal Canadiens were assessed a penalty because they responded to that hit that looked a little bit high on Jesperi Kotkaniemi. And of course, when you go to the Department of Player Safety after this game is finished, no supplementary discipline. Nothing. Um, <laughs> Nothing. And no penalty on the on the incident. No supplementary nope. discipline. Uh, it was uh, clear clear direct contact to the head. Clear. Um, yeah. Direct contact attacked with the head with Kotkaniemi's uh, head. Um, it was blindside. Kotkaniemi uh, never saw him coming. Uh, that's clear. Um, now what? Department of Player uh, Safety said is that uh, it was unavoidable that um, he was already committed to the hit and um, he couldn't get out of the way. I, I, when I hear this, I, you know, you see guys stop on a dime. You see guys, pivot. Yes. you see guys, um, you know, be elusive when they're trying to go between players uh, as they go towards the net. I don't think that that the Department of Player Safety gives players enough credit for their skills. Unavoidable, I don't, you know, I don't know. But what I saw there was the follow through with his his arms once the hit was made, and I think that was certainly avoidable. Yeah, and I mean, what is Dylan Dubé going in there for? Because if he's committed to the hit before it happens, then you're looking at Yasperi Kotkaniemi's numbers. So what exactly is he going for? I uh, listen. I, like like I said, I like Dylan Dubé, but yeah, this is a a situation where it's evident once again that the NHL has these amendments in place that protect the guy that are deliver protect the guys that are delivering these headshots, and we saw it with Tyler Myers, right? Like these rules about blindside hits in place and all those sorts of things that they don't account for, and in this in this case, uh, unavoidable contact. These are all things that protect the guy delivering the hit. At the end of the day, you need to protect the guy getting the headshot, getting hit in the head directly. It's at this point, I think it's it's ridiculous that we're even talking about not handing out a suspension for a hit like that, not even assessing a penalty. The Montreal Canadiens were the only ones punished yeah. for that hit, essentially. So it's it's um, it's another example right of the nhl really needing to make a definitive statement about where they stand on these types of hits that's right um that's that's what it comes down to for me uh but rick thursday night it wasn't a great night for the montreal canadians but it was a good night for jersey lovers because the montreal canadians sported their reverse retro jerseys their a lot of acclaim for these reverse retro jerseys. A lot of love. A lot of love for these reverse retro jerseys with the primary blue. Um, and, and listen, they grew on me as time went on. As we sort of got to this point of them playing a game in them, they were starting to grow on me a little by little as we got there. Live action just wasn't my favorite. It was not. I, it just didn't look. It was so much blue. It, like you said, it, like we've talked about. A lot of similarities between their jerseys and the Rangers and even some between the Leafs as well. I know that they've got that strip of red, but it's just a lot of blue to look at. <laughs> well, it, that's the thing. You know, um, 
we'll, we'll talk later uh, and and check with our our uh, experts on on Facebook, our our uh, uh, yeah. Allhabs fan page <laughs> on Facebook. Uh, the, the the opinion was split uh, there. I think it was pretty split in our our uh, internal Rocket yeah. Sports team, uh, with some being very excited about it, not so uh, others not so much. Um, and I'm much the same as when they came out, um, we both said, no, blue's not right. And, but then as you saw them, uh, I think the first pictures were on Brandon Gallagher that we saw a little video clip, uh, of him and looked pretty good. Uh, then we saw Nick Suzuki kind of posing with it. Look good. Um, uh, saw it on some fans, um, and looks good. Looks and, good. And then, um, you know, it's 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 clean, it's sharp, it's striking. Mm-hmm. Uh, but then when you see a whole team on the ice wearing blue, it just doesn't feel right. Um, I, I, I didn't like it, uh, seeing the, the, the team yeah. wearing them. Um, it, um, you know, our, our, uh, our own internal group, uh, wanted to make some changes with the pants and make those red. Yeah. And, uh, <laughs> I think that would have been more like the, uh, and I understand why they, they didn't go in that direction. Uh, they wanted to steer clear of the Rangers comparisons with the Rangers. Um, and then you had the way that the Canadians played wearing yeah. those jerseys. <laughs> and all of a sudden there's a bit of taint on those jerseys and, and, uh, um, uh, we'll, we'll see what, ha- it's a, a short turnaround. We've got another reverse retro night coming up, uh, next week. So we'll see, um, we'll, we'll see how they play with those jerseys, but, uh, I'm not, not a big fan at, at the moment. Yeah. And, and look, I think those jerseys in a vacuum as just looking at them as an yeah. individual Jersey without the context of the Montreal Canadiens history. Those are fine-looking jerseys. Those are good-looking jerseys, even. But in the wider context, if you you take off your your blinders a little bit, yeah, those those in the wider context of the history of the Montreal Canadiens, it just doesn't really feel right to see a team in Montreal skating around in that much blue. It's just you know, it's an accent color on a red jersey is fine, but uh, to be primary blue, eh, a little bit too much for me. But Rick. We should move on because uh, Shea Weber played his 1,000th game this week. Uh, they had the ceremony before the game against the Senators, played his 1,000th game against the Canucks earlier in the week, uh, which was very fitting, of course, being from BC. Then they play the Senators, and they have the uh, on-ice ceremony before the game very well. It was it was incredible. Uh, he and his family with the portrait there from an artist, done by an artist from BC, and then presented with the stick. Uh, the 1,000 game stick from uh, Brendan Gallagher, Paul Byron, the alternate captains, the Montreal Canadiens. Just just a, a nicely done ceremony. Uh, obviously different than what it would usually be, <laughs> but just uh, well done overall. Silver stick, his family there, his his uh, his kids. It was it was nice, different from uh, what it could have been. Yes. Uh, had the season not been paused uh, last year, it might have timed out so that uh, so his thousandth game would have been in Nashville, which would have been uh, quite yeah. amazing. Um, listen, uh, this is a guy who uh, uh, he hasn't played the same way for a thousand games. Uh, he's, I think, gotten better. Uh, Seven hundred and sixty-three games with the Nashville Predators. Uh, before that trade was made, and and you heard all of the griping when the trade was made that, 
you know, he was old, he was on a, on the decline, he was a pylon, he couldn't skate anymore, he had injuries. Um, and look how that trade has, uh, has, has worked out uh, for Montreal. Not only did have the Canadians gotten um, a, a, a guy who's feared on the power play, who other teams, uh, you know, plan around uh, their, their uh, penalty kill, um, but you have a guy who's one of the toughest to play in the NHL and you have a tremendous leader and he's been a, an absolutely tremendous leader um, in and out of the locker room. And, um, and, and this year, um, you know, is still uh, almost uh, 24 minutes uh, average ice time um, and, and leading uh, the Montreal Canadiens again. What an amazing uh, career he's having. And um, and and still has plenty of time to to add to it. Yeah, I mean it's going to be crazy to see what that game total is at by the time it's all said and done for Shea Weber. And as you said, he's just been a steadying force for the Montreal Canadiens for as long as he's been there. He's not the flashy guy. Nothing that he does is flashy. It's all, uh, but it's pretty painful for the opposition. It's it's not uh, it's not pretty, but it's effective. And that's how Shea Weber has gotten it done for 1,000 uh, NHL games. But, Rick, uh, we'll move on because it's time for one of our favorite segments on this podcast, mm. They Said What? And this week, with a bit of a focus on Shea Weber, at least in the first couple of clips, and we'll start with a clip um, from Shea Weber speaking about reaching 1,000 games in the NHL. Obviously, it's special. I think it's it's something that, as a kid, you dream of playing the NHL, obviously, and as a kid, you think that it's going to come true and you imagine it. Um, realistically is it you know it's it's a lot tougher than people realize and it's tough to do so just making it here has been really special and obviously making it this long and um, having a career uh, with this many games is something that uh, I never really imagined obviously dream about but uh, pretty uh, pretty surreal understated as usual um, he, he says you know you dream these things when uh, you're a kid but um, to, to make it happen is is tougher uh, than than people think it is, and that's just getting to the NHL. Yeah, is tough. Never mind playing and having a long career of uh, a thousand plus games. And I mean the two Olympic gold medals as well. I mean he's had himself quite the career uh, internationally as well. So um, yeah, that's that's fantastic to hear. And and the thing about this, and we saw a lot of the sort of uh, videos the Montreal Canadiens made. Uh, celebrating Shea Weber, a lot of uh, former teammates from Nashville. Well, he was asked about the legacy that he has with the Habs going forward. To be honest, it's I'm not thinking about leaving a lasting legacy. And my job is to to be a good teammate to to help the Montreal Canadiens win, and then whatever comes of that uh, comes of that. It's uh, definitely not a focus to to look at accolades or, or things like that it's the biggest goal for us is to win and I think everybody that has won knows how special it is and us of uh, those of us that haven't won yet want to want a taste of that so that's our goal that's my goal and and what we're trying to do here just a technical point uh that's not us uh, making all yeah. that noise in the background <laughs> uh, pro tip for my media colleagues um Mute your mic uh, yeah. when madly typing quotes after you've asked your question. I uh, hope that didn't take away from the quote because the quote was important, very important. Um, he was asked about, you know, uh, his legacy, and, and he's, I'm not interested in, in individual accolades. Number one, I want to be a good teammate. 
that's that's what everybody should want to do. And then uh, my goal is uh, to win. And uh, you can add in there the cup. Uh, that's 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 inferred. And he said, we haven't done it. We know people have done it. It's pretty amazing. That's what we want to do here. Uh, that's the, the biggest goal for me and, and uh, this team. Yeah, and I mean, your <laughs> Stanley Cup is the one thing that has eluded both Shea Weber and Carey Price, and they want to add that to their, uh, to their trophy collection. Um, but Rick, we'll move on because as we talked about, there was the trade request from Victor Mete that was denied as even having happened by Mark Bergevin. <laughs> and uh, there were some questions, of course, about that after Victor had played his first game of the season. Yeah, I know the team's been playing great. Uh, obviously, they got their got their first loss in regulation last game. So everyone sees they're playing, uh, they're playing great. And I was, uh, I was happy to get in the lineup tonight. Um, I'd rather not uh, kind of talk about the situation. <laughs> Uh, yeah, I mean, I don't know what their plans are, but uh, as of right now, I'm here and uh, I'm just going to work as hard as I can. And uh, anytime I get a chance to play, I'll be uh, the best I can be. Now, we've interviewed Victor uh, a number of times and he has a characteristic. He, he starts most of his answers with, yeah, no. Yeah, no. Yeah. <laughs> and it's, it's, <laughs> it's endearing. I, 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 I've, yeah, I've missed yeah. that. Um, but these were three short clips that kind of give you some insight into his mindset. And, and you may think we're making more out of things than not. But, but no, you, you, you get to know uh, how a player thinks. Um, when Josh Anderson uh, was, uh, and, and it, I, I'm, I'm picking out Josh, but it, it could be any, any player. Uh, notice when they're, they've been acquired to a new team, how quickly they adopt we they they jump in. Josh Anderson was almost me. We and we're doing this, and he takes on the the image. That first clip, they got uh, their first loss in regulation. They are playing great. Victor Meta is speaking as if he's not part of the team. Yeah, um, that's yeah. his mindset. Uh, you may think it's 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 a small matter, but it gives you insight into the way he thinks about his position. Uh, on the team, um, his his nervous little laugh after uh, rather not talk about the situation. Um, it's it's a tense thing for him. Uh, Claude Julien said that that he wasn't frustrated at all. He's he's been frustrated. He you know and and there were some accusations that Darren Ferris had gone out on his own and and done this and asked for the trade. That this is crystal clear. He didn't. He, uh, Ferris wasn't uh, going uh, you know on his own here. The, the third uh, response was interesting because what preceded that was, do you see your future wearing a Habs jersey? And his answer was, as of right now, I'm here. That's, that's really telling um, yeah. that um, he, doesn't, um, he doesn't know what's going, he said, I don't know what's going to ha- what they're going to do in the future. And as of, as of right now, I'm here, I'm here, I'm, I'm. I'm biding my time. I'm hoping that that uh, and we're inferring here um, that uh, I'll be moved on and get an, another chance. But uh, as far as my future, as of right now, I'm here. He said. Yeah, I mean that sort of paints the picture there. Um, and yeah, it was something that I didn't even catch when we played the clip. Was that he said they? But it was something that didn't 
it didn't sound right. And I knew it didn't sound right, but I couldn't put my finger on what exactly it was. And yeah, you pointed it out. He doesn't sound like he's somebody that is a part of that team or feels a part of the team. Um, but yeah, it's it's a very interesting situation. There's no question there. So we'll see how it all sort of shakes out going forward. Uh, Rick, the Thursday night game against the Ottawa Senators um, was probably the first bad game of the season. It was the first bad game of the mm-hmm. season for Nick Suzuki. Um, he's been fantastic to start this year. Um, and, and here he is reacting to that performance. It's kind of, it was uh, definitely a tough night, I think. Uh, so definitely my uh, worst game of the year so far. Um, just fighting the puck a bit. But uh, as a line, I thought uh, we generated a bit more in the third there. We had a little talk. Um, we were frustrated with uh, playing a lot in the D zone. We wanted to get a good transition going. And, um, yeah, it's, uh, we got to bounce back for sure. That's definitely got to change. It's in that many draws, especially in that uh, third goal there. I uh, lost it pretty clean and uh, ended up in our net. So I got to watch the film tonight and um, be ready for the next game. I, I don't know. Tonight uh, I was struggling to read the play a bit. There's a few times where I was getting lost in the defensive zone, and that's not something I'm, I'm used to. So I got to definitely clear that up. Like I said before, I'll watch my shifts and I'll learn from that and be ready for the next game. Each um, each game, be Prior to each game, the Montreal Canadiens uh, put out a, a graphic, um, and and it goes out on Twitter, and it yeah. shows their lineup, their lines, uh, the defense pairings, and who will be the starting goaltender. Every game this season, uh, much like last season, they've had the Dano line in the first spot, um, Dano, Tatar, and, and Gallagher. On Thursday night, for the very first time, the Suzuki line was listed as the first line. And we know that Claude Julien doesn't like to name his lines, but this is significant. Somebody would yeah. have had to make this decision that Suzuki, Duran, and Anderson were the Canadians' declared uh, first line. Uh, that's a bit of a changing of the guard. It's a changing of the guard that Philip Deneau said he, was, he wasn't going <laughs> to be part of. Uh, but uh, this early in the season, the Canadians have have made a bit of a declaration. Now, just coincidentally, it happened to be uh, Nick Suzuki, by his own admission, say it was his worst game of the season. Uh, he said he was fighting the puck. Um, that whole line was frustrated. You saw uh, Josh Anderson come back. He yeah. briefly uh, had to leave the game, knocked down, injured, uh, came back, and and was like a missile after that, trying to turn things around. Um, Suzuki said he was he was losing draws clean, and uh, as uh, uh, a result of it, uh, that led to the third goal. Um, Interesting, he said he was struggling uh, in the defensive zone. He, he was struggling to read the play, and he got lost in the defense, defensive zone, which he said doesn't usually happen to him. Um, so here we are. He's made the progression to first-line center. Uh, we see maturity, and we see him taking responsibility for his play. That's, that's huge. Even, even though it was a bad game, that whole process, that whole progression is huge for the future of the Montreal Canadiens. Yeah, it's, it's great accountability from Nick Suzuki there. And the thing about that is he could have played okay, and it still would have been his worst game of the season because he's been that good. He's been that good for the Montreal Canadiens to this point. So he had a rough game. That's going to happen. 
it's going to be interesting to see how he bounces back from that, right? That's going to be the telling part of all of this and the fact that he was going to watch some clips of his shifts and and do some sort of uh, review of that. That says a lot about Nick Suzuki's character right there. That's that's a, a high character player. Um, but Rick, we'll move on because Claude Julien also discusses uh, the Montreal Canadiens' first bad game of the season. You know, it stings because, you know, we had a bad game in our system and tonight was the night. And I, I don't think that we looked at Ottawa as an easy game. For sure, our guys uh, didn't see it that way. But we just didn't seem to be in sync tonight. Like I said, the first period wasn't bad. Second period, like even tape-to-tape passes were uh, was a challenge. And, you know, you got some some of those nights where, you know, as much as you're trying, I, I saw even frustration on the part of our players in that second period. And so before the third, I said, you know, let, let's simplify our game. Let's re- focus here and uh, you know, that's part of adversity during the season is how do you manage that you know tonight was a what we call a, a tough night for us a bad game and uh, hopefully like I said our focus is on Saturday bouncing back you saw afterwards uh, certainly on social media some were trying to p- pin the loss on on the goaltending some were were um, you know saying it was it was uh, you know just an outstanding game by Matt Murray um I when you I didn't see it that way. It was a bad game by the Canadians. The players think so. The coach certainly thinks so. And you know that second period is usually uh, the the Canadians have dominated so far this season, but they weren't very good to the point where the coach is saying they had a hard time making a tape to tape pass in that yeah. second period. Uh, they were they were losing draws on the power play clean. Uh, so, yeah. so they couldn't, uh, set up, uh, it was a bad game all around. And, uh, and, and Claude Julien is says, uh, you know, we, we had that in us. Uh, it just happened, uh, to come out that particular night. Yeah. And, and yeah, he says he didn't, he didn't think that the team underestimated the Ottawa senators. And, and I said to you last week before the show, I thought the Ottawa senators we're going to play the Montreal Canadiens tight. I thought that yeah. because I think that they're going to get up for these games because you look at the Montreal Canadiens, they don't have the McDavid and Dreisaitl or the Austin Matthews. That's just going to overpower what the Senators can do. The Senators are going to be able to roll four lines against Montreal. And I think that they did that and they shut off all the time and space and that was the result. Um, but yeah, Paul Byron talking here about the team's focus after a loss. You know, we know how compressed the schedule is. We know how many games there are. You know, every uh, every night you want to bring your best effort and everything. And you know, last night was just one of those nights where we just weren't our best. And you know, today we had a good practice. Um, you know, we were a little bit sharper in our details and stuff like that. So tomorrow's a big game for our team. We need to respond. We want to show we're a great hockey team. Good teams don't lose twice in a row. So it's a great opportunity to have a, a really good bounce back game and uh, you know get back to the the ways we want to play. Canadians weren't sharp in their details and focus on Thursday night. He said they, they need to be better, and that was uh, what they worked on in practice. But he, he, he made a quote, good teams don't lose twice in a row. We've heard that before. It seems to be the mantra for this season. And on Monday, uh, this was the quote from Claude Julien. If you consider yourself to be a good team, and this was after the Calgary loss, if you consider yourself uh, to be a good team, you want to make sure you don't lose two games in a row. Paul Byron now repeats that. This is something yeah. that that is uh, been drummed into the, the Canadians' heads, and it's something that uh, they will work hard to uh, prevent this season. 
Well, I mean, yeah, because it's 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 easy for those types of things to snowball. You don't want to lose two because then the path to eight. Yeah, exactly. The path to eight is is pretty clear once you lose two. So you're going to want to mitigate that, uh, lessen that as much as you can. Uh, Rick, we'll get to some NHL news and notes very quickly here. So the NHL has postponed more games, more sort of outbreaks. The Buffalo Sabres, uh, their head coach, Ralph Kruger, tested positive as well as others. It's they've, they've had to postpone more games as a result. And, of course, because of that, expand COVID protocols as well. It's tough. And uh, you see Sabres fans, they're, they're angry um, yeah. the way that had all played out. So the, the, uh, in addition to, to postponing, um, the, the uh, COVID protocols have been expanded by the NHL. The first thing, the first tangible thing we saw was the removal of glass behind the, um, the benches uh, to allow for better airflow. Uh, now, Chris Johnson said, uh, but uh, that doesn't mean that pucks go in that direction uh, are going to get any uh, lenient treatment. They'll still be tagged as, uh, as a penalty uh, and that the referees will have to judge where the glass used to be when making that call. <laughs> so that doesn't sound like it's going to be controversial yeah. at all. Um, number two on the, on the addition to the COVID protocol list is limiting time at the arena that, uh, you know, players, coaches, they're in a rhythm, even, even us as media, we like to get to there early. Um, but coming out from the national hockey league is players and coach, uh, coaching staff are not permitted to arrive at the game arena more than one hour and 45 minutes before puck drop. An exception being those players who need uh, medical treatment, uh, but limiting the time in the arena. Greater uh, uh, next item is uh, greater physical distancing, and we know from the reporting from uh, Amy Johnson in the Laval Rocket um, that there are four distinct, not just four dressing rooms, but four areas in the Bell Center. Because remember, there's there's an NHL team, home team, the Canadians, and their opposition. And because they're sharing uh, the facility now with the Laval Rocket, there is uh, a Laval Rocket and their opposition uh, dressing area. Um, they couldn't just use the, the the locker rooms, the extra locker rooms that are there, because it, it, it wasn't big enough, because those areas have to be completely separate. Um, yeah. So now... The stalls in each of those areas, and we know the Laval Rocket are actually in one of the restaurants in um, in the Bell Center. Uh, those those lockers have to be moved apart uh, to six feet uh, for both the home and visiting teams. And um, if if the the teams need portable locker uh, lockers, uh, that the NHL will provide those. So that's that's an additional one. The last one um, is that um, uh, increased air filtration, and they're they're trying to put portable air cleaners with uh, HEPA filters in behind the player benches uh, to to keep that air circulating and and uh, and keep it clean and to improve the the air quality uh, behind the benches. Um, this is this is very interesting. All of this is very interesting, and we remember that one week has been set aside for any postponed games. So at the week, at the, week yeah. at the end of the season, before playoffs start, 
there's one week to, to make up all the postponed games. And I think we've heard some murmuring uh, this week that that may, be, may not be enough. So uh, we saw Pierre Lebrun tweet, you know, when you're looking at the standings that, that they're sorted by points, throw that out and start uh, resorting the, the standings on NHL.com by winning percentage because yeah. all teams may not play the same number of games. I thought that was, he's always obviously speaking with some insight there. I thought that was probably the biggest uh, uh, piece of news out of the, the revised COVID protocols. Yeah. And I mean, it's, it makes sense because yeah, there've been a lot of postponed games and it might be hard to get them all in um, in the allotted time. So we will have to see how that all plays out that is uh, definitely something to keep an eye on uh rick we will move on because there were a pair of former canadians who made their debuts for new teams you had nikita sherback playing for the texas stars and noah Juleson for the florida panthers this is just good news this is this yeah. is a, a great news story um, Nikita Sherback, uh, went off to the, the KHL. He's back in North America. He's a new dad. Uh, we said that the, uh, AHL started, uh, their play last night. Uh, he was in the lineup, um, uh, a team high five shots on goal, Texas stars beating the Iowa wild eight to four Nikita Sherback with a goal and an assist, um, in, in, a, a six goal, a third period for the Texas stars. <laughs> Um, uh, to, to win that one. So uh, congratulations. Nice to see uh, back uh, playing hockey on uh, this side of the pond. Another good news story, and, um, and, and we've had uh, Dino and others have been inquiring about, okay, what's happening with uh, Noah Juleson? Last night he was in uh, the lineup for uh, the Florida Panthers, uh, pretty nice uh, defense pairing there. You had Noah Juleson and, and uh, Keith Yandel. Um, and uh, Noah Juleson had uh, 14 and a half minutes on the, on the ice, so pretty good for his first game in yeah. in a couple years. And uh, five hits. We know uh, Juleson likes to be rather physical. And just a side point. Remember I just said if you resort the that LeBron is suggesting that you resort the NHL by winning percentage. If you do that, who's the top team in the entire NHL right now? That would be the Florida Panthers with an yeah. 875 winning percentage. They are the only team in the National Hockey League who does not have a regulation loss to their credit. So uh, congratulations to uh, Noah Juleson. And uh, we got a clip from him. Yeah. Yeah, it felt great. Obviously, it's been a long time coming. Uh, I didn't even know if I'd have this opportunity this year. So uh, I'm just thankful for Florida for picking me up and uh, getting that opportunity tonight. Yeah, I think just being with the guys, uh, you know, going out there and playing an NHL game is something everybody wants to do. So I think that was uh, the biggest part I missed. But just the atmosphere, you know, with fans being here, it was great. And I, you know, I'm thankful that I'm here. It's just great to hear from yeah. Noah Juleson yeah. and the excitement in his voice right there from like we talk about it all the time the way that he was playing before that injury where he just just very unlucky got two pucks to the face in the same game the way that he was playing before that 
you were thinking, well, listen, man, the Montreal Canadiens are set going forward. You got Shea Weber, Jeff Petrie, Noah Juleson. That's your three right-shot defensemen going forward. That's an embarrassment of riches for the Montreal Canadiens. And it just shook out that, unfortunately, he got injured, took those two shots to the face, and we didn't hear from Noah Juleson until March, until just before the world stopped, before everything stopped. With COVID, it, we did not hear from him. We did not see from him. And now, back in the NHL, we hear the excitement in his voice right there. A part of a good team in Florida. It's just great to hear from Noah Juleson. And he acknowledged um, it was nice to have fans in the building. So uh, yeah. <laughs> a little bit different, <laughs> a little bit different down there. Uh, but he, mm-hmm. uh, uh, it was, yeah, it's igni- nice to hear um, uh, the excitement in his voice. And uh, as he talked, he talked about uh, how Keith Yandel uh, talked him through the night, uh, was a great partner for him. And uh, he doesn't know what's going to be, whether he'll be in or out of the lineup, but uh, another option for Coach Quenville there uh, to bring him in in, a, in what is, a, as you said, a very good Florida Panthers team. Yeah, so we'll see how it goes for Noah Juleson going forward. Uh, Rick, with all that said, we will take our first break here on the Canadians Connection podcast. Still to come, we have a big topic segment because the Montreal Canadiens this week they were in the penthouse for a very short time. They were in the penthouse. We're going to discuss how they got there and how they managed to let it all slip away. Stay with us here at the Canadians Connection podcast on Rocket Sports Radio. Rocket Sports Media is currently recruiting talented, motivated, and committed people to join our team. If you're a student wishing to gain experience, a young professional interested in broadening your credentials, an experienced hockey mind looking for a platform to share your expertise, or a passionate fan looking to contribute to our publications by connecting with fellow hockey fans, we want to hear from you. If you are bright, loyal, passionate, and willing to dedicate yourself to a remarkable team, visit allhabs.net and click the Join Our Team tab today. In every city around the world, sports fans flock to popular watering holes to share a few pints, some good grub, and to cheer for their team. Think your favorite sports bar deserves to be recognized? Or are you traveling to a new place and need to find the perfect spot to watch a game? HockeyPub.com is the answer. Find out where the best spots are in your city to eat, drink, and meet fellow fans. HockeyPub.com. Want the latest Habs news with game previews, reviews, and highlights? How about full coverage of development camps and special events? Looking to follow the Laval Rocket more closely this season? Perhaps you'd like to learn more about team prospects. Would you like a place to socialize with hockey fans all over the world? We've got what you're looking for at allhabs.net, the place where you'll find everything you need to be the most informed and connected Habs fan around. Allhabs.net. Welcome back to the Canadians Connection podcast here on Rocket Sports Radio. I'm Joe Whalen. You can find me on Twitter at Joe Whalen 19 and with me in studio is president and founder of Rocket Sports, Rick Stevens. You can follow him at all Habs on Twitter and you can follow at Habs Connection on Twitter, Facebook and Instagram and visit our website at CanadiansConnection.com. 
So, Rick, um, the Montreal Canadiens, for a brief short time this week, occupied not only the top spot in the North Division, but as you pointed out at the top of the show, top spot in the NHL. And that is a very strange thing to say because it doesn't feel so long ago that the Montreal Canadiens were the 24th-ranked team in the NHL with 71 points through 71 games last season. And now they are one of the best teams in the NHL to this point. It's very early, as we have had discussions in the past couple of weeks, whether it be about Tyler Toffoli and the new additions or last week. Uh, these are all very early discussions to be having, is, is, the, is the point that we want to get across. But the Montreal Canadiens have been one of the best teams in the NHL to this point. And how exactly have they gotten there? I think it's, um, you know, it's one thing, uh, as, as um, Mark Bergevin admitted uh, at the beginning of this, it's one thing on paper, but it's, it's a whole other thing to, to put it together, to see these play, uh, players gel, to see lines have chemistry, um, and to see them all play the system, uh, the system that's designed, as Claude Julien says, to put pressure on um, uh, other teams, to put pressure, to play a pressure game in all areas of the ice. And we've seen uh, some, uh, frankly, uh, struggle with that. Uh, uh, Joel Edmondson at, uh, at the beginning of the season was like, well, this is really different than what I've played before. Um, the Canadians use their speed um but it isn't about playing quick it's about thinking quick it's about mark bergevin going out he's added size um but and he's added quickness um you know foot speed but it's also players who can play at tempo play at a high pace and uh we see that against vancouver and and uh uh yeah the Coach, Coach Green said, um, you know, we knew this was coming. We, we knew it was coming. We knew they were going to pressure us. But when you're in that situation, uh, players panic. And, uh, and, and it forces the, the real uh, beauty of the system and, and the combination of players that the Canadians have, it forces other teams to make mistakes. And that's what the Canadians have been capitalizing on at five-on-five uh, whether even when they're shorthanded, they're forcing other teams to make mistakes, and that's been their their uh, bread and butter so far uh, this season, and that's what's allowed them to jump from, uh, you know, twenty uh, fourth place uh, last year all the way into uh, the conversation uh, for one of the top five uh, teams in the NHL this season. Yeah, and and forgive me for I'm about to use a boxing analogy, which is weird for me because I don't watch boxing, but. There's the old saying, right, is that everyone has a plan until you get punched in the face, right? You, If you come out as the aggressor, the other team, if they don't have an opportunity, they might know it's coming, they might expect it to come, but they still don't. They still have to respond to it. And the Vancouver Canucks had trouble responding to the speed, to the tempo that the Montreal Canadiens were playing with, to the physicality overall. I mean, the Montreal Canadiens have played fantastic hockey against the Vancouver Canucks, and largely... Uh, because of uh, Tyler Toffoli, but they've found ways to be effective against a team that, I mean, when you look at it on paper, as as you were talking about, the Vancouver Canucks should be a team that, that give the Montreal Canadiens some problems. And, I mean, it, it's come down to Pedersen 
struggling a little bit more than you would expect. Bo Horvat's been been great as he, he's a steadying force. He's one of the best players, best two-way players, I think, in the NHL right now. You have Brock Besser. I mean, that's a team with a lot of firepower that should give the Montreal Canadiens problems, but they don't. For whatever reason, the Montreal Canadiens have played very, very well against them, and then that is the reason that they, fi- they found themselves in top spot in the North and in the NHL. Their play against Vancouver, but then you have the Ottawa Senators. But, um, you know, before we got to the Ottawa Senators and after uh, that 10-game that run, um, the Canadians were playing so well that we saw headlines like, the Canadians <laughs> are so good, it's boring. There's too good. It's boring. And it was an admission by uh, Arpan Basu. And he said, it's, it's, uh, I'm a sports writer and it's my admission of failure. And, and Arpan Basu is a great writer. Um, yeah. And he said, but, you know, there's nothing worse than covering a, a team that only wins or only loses. And right now the Canadians are a team that only wins. Um, and, it's, and it's very hard, he's saying this as a sports writer, to find new ways to say that this team is good. Uh, they're so good, they're boring, he says. Um, <laughs> I, I can't find a new angle. I can't find uh, new words. Uh, it's just Groundhog Day. Um, so this is this was, um, and and we saw that uh, because of that, that there was all again uh, trying to 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 insert some some uh, controversy or 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 some uh, a new wrinkle, and that's why you saw some complaining about the goaltending uh, or or nitpicking here and there because there was nothing to write about other than the Canadians were playing tremendous hockey. Yeah, I mean, they were playing fantastic, and they've handled their business against, I mean, you look at two games against the Edmonton Oilers, they beat the Edmonton Oilers the two times that they played them, they split against Calgary, which is what you should expect, because it's hard to beat the same team twice in a row, they've taken all but one game against the Vancouver Canucks that they've met with them, I mean, and including the two that they played earlier this week, like, they have handled their business against teams that are high-powered teams that have that, you know, sort of firepower that you don't really think the Montreal Canadiens should necessarily match up with. The only team they haven't seen at this point is, is the Winnipeg Jets, and, and you'll get to that. You'll get to see the Winnipeg Jets at some point coming down the line. But the Ottawa Senators, the Ottawa Senators, uh, they were the ones that handed the Montreal Canadiens, when they were riding high, the Montreal Canadiens, the Ottawa Senators, the lowly Ottawa Senators, were the ones who brought them right back down to earth. And as I said, Rick, I sort of expected the Senators to get up for this game because they don't see McDavid and Drysidle hopping over the boards. They don't see, uh, Pat, uh, excuse me, Nikolai Ehlers or Mark Shifley or whoever it is hopping over the boards. They can play with the Montreal Canadiens. They can roll four lines against the Montreal Canadiens. And on Thursday night, they just took away all of the space that the Montreal Canadiens had. And yeah, as a result, they win three to two. And that's why the Montreal Canadiens are not are, are no longer uh, in the penthouse of the NHL. And if you had any, if you still have any um, illusions of, of why uh, the Canadians, other than, you know, we played the clips, uh, they played poorly. Here's uh, Nick Suzuki uh, just uh, emphasizing it a little bit more yeah they played uh they played a lot better than us um they were hard on the four check and 
didn't look like uh, we were prepared for that. Uh, we had to struggle. I struggled breaking out of our zone and through the neutral zone. And uh, yeah, they did a pretty good job of forechecking us. So um, as a team, it's got to be a, a lot better Saturday. So it was a game that was billed as uh, uh, best versus uh, first, worst versus uh, last, uh, best versus worst. worst. Um, Canadians, um, you know, they were playing uh, extremely well, so much so that the sports writers were having trouble to <laughs> find things to write about. Uh, and, and Ottawa, you know, they were having goaltending problems. They were, they were having all kinds of, of issues. Um, and we heard uh, Claude Julien say that, uh, you know, it wasn't a bad period. Uh, the Canadians didn't really have, uh, you know, they didn't put a lot of effort into the first period, and uh, they were up one nothing, and uh, kind of cruising. And then it was that last minute, uh, that, that uh, last minute of, of the first period. And, and we saw this last year, and it kind of uh, reminded us about that 24th place team that had uh, real trouble playing for a full 20 minutes um, and, and would lose focus and, and stop uh, you know, doing all those little details in the last minute of, of periods. We saw that. Um, the Canadians, bad coverage, lost draws, penalty taken, and within 18 seconds, Ottawa's uh, up 2-1, to one, and uh, the Canadians are down going into uh, the first intermission. Um, and, and, you know, as I said earlier, uh, shots in, or sorry, goals in the, in the second period, Canadians outscoring their opponents going into that game 20-5 to five in the second period. So we had... Uh, no worries about that. They were going to burst out and and uh, and uh, have their typical second uh, period, and it didn't happen. As Claude Julien said, couldn't put together a tape to tape pass. Um, so uh, you know you got to wonder what what is going wrong. And and you used a boxing analogy. I'll use a horse racing analogy, and they call some horses front runners because they are comfortable going out, going out quickly, setting the pace letting others behind them make mistakes as they try to catch up. And that's kind of what the Canadians um, game is all about, this pressure game. Uh, it's to force opponents to make mistakes and then they, they capitalize, capitalize on them. And, uh, and in the, you know, the, the second period, they have expanded their leads in those games. As far as when they've been trailing, trailing after the first period, we have 11 games of experience so far, and the Canadians have not yet won a game when trailing after the first period. Lost two in regulation and one in overtime. So, you know, um, is it a matter of confidence? They, they, they worry about their scoring. Last year they had, maybe it's a kind of carryover a bit. Maybe they haven't gotten rid of those, those, uh, those bad habits. Or maybe they're, the system that Julian has them playing just works better uh, when they have a lead. Um, it's, it's just, it's, it's fascinating and we're going to see how that plays out. But, uh, going into last week's games, uh, the Canadians had a league high of 61% of playing, uh, with the lead. Uh, and, and, and in, in case you don't know what that means, that's th more than 13% higher than the second place team. So they're way up on, on, uh, their teams and comfortable with playing with a lead. Um, that might turn out to be a strategy for some teams get a lead on the Canadians and uh, and they can't come back we'll see how that plays out we'll see 
Um, but you you know it's got to be a concern of Claude Julien and uh, good teams, contending teams. They find ways to come back, and the Canadians are going to have to start doing that if they want to be included in that conversation. As Paul Byron and Claude Julien said, good teams don't lose twice in a row, so you're going to have to figure it out against the Ottawa Senators. And here is where I might be a little bit um, a little bit concerned. And I'm not saying that it's time. It's by no means the time to push the panic button. The Montreal Canadiens have lost two games in regulation. There's no reason to panic. But there was a theme last year that the Montreal Canadiens, four games against the Detroit Red Wings, they lost all four. They played four games against the Ottawa Senators. They were tight games. Are the Montreal Canadiens a team that plays to the level of their competition, and that means when they play a team where things are a little bit out of sorts, where things that they're a young team, that they're trying to figure out what good habits are in the NHL, does that mean that the Montreal Canadiens play to the level of their opponents in those games? Because, look, you can handle your business against the teams like Vancouver and Edmonton, and that's going to help your cause. It doesn't mean that you know, you're going to be in bad shape by any stretch of the imagination. But you have 10 games against the Ottawa Senators, and you've got to make good on those games because you can make life a lot more, you can make life easier for yourself if you just take care of business against a team that you should beat in theory. The problem was, is the Ottawa Senators came out and they played a game, they had a game plan that they executed very well. There was, yeah, as, as Claude Julien said, difficulty in the Montreal Canadiens even making a tape-to-tape pass. So they were that out of sync. Whether that's to the credit of the Ottawa Senators, and I think that some of it is to the credit of the Ottawa Senators, a good portion of it should be to the credit of the Ottawa Senators, or is it the fact that Montreal Canadiens just had a down game? We're going to find that out today when they play for a second time. If the Montreal Canadiens are a little bit more in sync, they can make those passes their defensive zone coverage a little bit better because as we saw in the Thursday night game, you gave up two late first period goals to the two guys that on the Ottawa senators that actually have the ability to beat a goaltender clean with a shot. Like Thomas Shabbat had a lot of speed coming in and he put that shot exactly where he needed to, to beat Carey price and Tim Stutzla. We know about Tim Stutzla. He is fantastic. Mm-hmm. He's a great-looking young player, and the Ottawa Senators are very lucky to have him, and he beat Carey Price clean. Those are the only two guys on the Ottawa Senators that can beat goalies clean with that type of a shot, with that type of a release. So for me, the Montreal Canadiens today should be able to handle their business, but if they don't, then there's, there's a red flag. There's a bit of a red flag coming through. There is. And uh, it, it's it's interesting, you know, when you have that big a jump from one year to the next, um, certainly there's expectations been raised on the fan side. And um, you, you wonder if any of those those thoughts, that mindset starts to creep in. And uh, and and that is is part of, of what the team has to fight, fight through. Uh, and work through, and uh, as you said, we'll see it today, and we'll see it as as the season goes goes along, uh, because how the Canadians handle that kind of adversity is going to is going to, especially in such a short season as Paul Byron referred to, that's going to decide uh, their fate this year. Yeah, and I mean, if, after the Ottawa Senators, life doesn't get easier. You have the Toronto Maple Leafs, the Edmonton Oilers, they're high-powered offenses, so. 
you're going to have to maintain a level of consistency and, and play in sync. Uh, we did not see that on Thursday night, and you would hope that you see that going forward. Um, so, Rick, with that said, we'll take our final break here on the Canadians Connection podcast. When we come back, we have the question of the week. Now that you've seen them on the ice, what do you think of the Canadians' retro jerseys? We'll get to that after a quick break. Stay with us here on the Canadians Connection podcast on Rocket Sports Radio. The Canadians Connection is proud to be a partner of Rocket Sports Media, digital media publishers of sports and entertainment websites. Their mission is to build a worldwide network of sports fans who are informed, engaged, entertained, and connected. Learn more about RSM, its team, and its portfolio of brands at rocketsportsmedia.com. I bet you enjoy sporting your best Habs jerseys, dressing up your kids and pets in the cutest Habs gear, and showing off your decked out hockey cave or fan ink. Well, don't just show your friends, show your Habs. The team at All Habs wants you to boast your finest pictures for our global network of Montreal Canadiens fans. Include the hashtag ShowYourHabs when posting your fan photos on Twitter, Facebook, or Instagram. Then log on to ShowYourHabs.com to see your entries, along with photos and posts from Habs fans all over the world. A proud member of the Rocket Sports Media Network. If you're a business owner looking for the perfect platform to reach a targeted audience of customers, Rocket Sports Media is the solution. Our global hockey community provides unmatched social media reach to an attentive demographic of sports and entertainment fans. We can provide visibility to your company, helping you to engage and leverage this prime group of potential clientele. In addition, we also offer sponsorship opportunities for fan events and featured areas of website content, giving you name and logo recognition. Visit rocketsportsmedia.com to contact us regarding this unique marketing opportunity. For the most trusted source of news, analysis, and features about the Montreal Canadiens, their affiliates, and their prospects, log in to allhabs.net, your year-round resource for anything Habs-related. That's allhabs.net. And welcome back to episode 122 of the Canadians Connection podcast here on Rocket Sports Radio. You can follow at Habs Connection on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram, and visit our website at canadiansconnection.com. So, Rick, following the Thursday night, um, as we talked about throughout this podcast, Montreal Canadiens, they wore their reverse retro jerseys for the first time on Thursday and, you know, this has been a jersey that's gotten a, a little bit of praise heading into that Thursday night game. It's been one that's been, you know, people say it looks sharp, it looks good, looks clean. Uh, what was the reaction on the All Habs fan page after the game, uh, after seeing them in live action? Go to Facebook, uh, search for All Habs, all one word, All Habs, and you can join the conversation uh, with about 44,000 other uh, rabbit Habs fans, and um, uh, you know, the, the, I I think the 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 as you said, the the uh, comments were kind of favorable um, before they the, 
the fans saw them on the ice. Um, but now there, there's, there's the polar opposite uh, comments. And the uh, first one comes from Alexander Hoke. Uh, I love the jerseys. Not a fan of how they played in them. Garnet Saint-Ange says, a definite no for me. Uh, Ron Heishi says, I really like those jerseys. Noah Kate says, they're sacrilegious. Um, Marcin Fortino says, I don't like them. I've been watching since 1957, and I identify them with their normal jerseys. Um, Katie uh, Cecilia Monroe said, yuck. Uh, very succinct there. Uh, Mike Goche said, you know what? It was retro night, all right. They played like they did last year. <laughs> <laughs> nice. Um, uh, Catherine Snee said, uh, they're nicer than those light blue ones that look like pajamas. Okay. Uh, Bobby Floje said, uh, they're playing like a third tier team to match their third jerseys. Um, Suzette Millet said, those jerseys are awesome. Sandy Marquette says, I hate those jerseys. Uh, again, that, that, uh, one side or the other. And then yeah. we have uh, this last comment from Vic McKee, uh, 5.5 for this bum with one goal on the year. Oh, that doesn't really seem to have uh, much to do about jerseys, but and, uh. Uh, our fans on Facebook uh, don't let an opportunity go by without uh, making a comment about Jonathan Drew, and no matter what jersey <laughs> he's, uh, he's playing in. So join us. Yeah. Uh, join us there. Join us on Twitter. We'd love to hear from you. Uh, you can you can join in the conversation there. Or don't forget our Rocket Sports text line is open 24 hours a day. Text us 5853-ROCKET. Absolutely. We'd love to hear from you here on the Canadians Connection podcast. Uh, Rick, we should mention, because off the top of the show, we did um, plug the... Uh, DraftKings, THPN, the promo code that you can enter at DraftKings. Um, and that is to do with an announcement that you and Amy Johnson made earlier this week on the Press Zone is that we have a new partnership with the Hockey Podcast Network. We do. Um, we're always looking for things uh, to uh, to offer you and and, uh, and and getting together, partnering with a, a network uh, allows us to uh, bring new things to you. This is this first one is from DraftKings. And uh, it's kind of fun, actually. Mike uh, yeah. Rashel, our, our, our Mike Rashel, uh, our contributor, uh, said, listen, I'll try it out. And and. Um, and you know, DraftKings may be kind of attached with uh, with betting. He said he found uh, all sorts of free games that can be played, uh, and he had a, f- a fun time. He he downloaded the app. Um, he inserted the code THPN. That's the promo code uh, that you use once you download the uh, the DraftKings app THPN, and that stands for the Hockey Podcast Network. Uh, the guys at the Hockey Podcast Network, uh, Dylan and Isha, they've been great to us, and uh, we'll have uh, we'll have some other things that we're going to be collaborating on, and we'll certainly let you know about those. So glad to be part of the Hockey Podcast Network. Uh, we're um, we're keeping our independence. Uh, we we like it that way, uh, but glad to associate with some uh, with some good people over there. Absolutely. Very excited about this news. Very excited to hear earlier this week and to see the announcement uh, on social media after uh, the podcast with yourself and Amy Johnson, which the uh, Press Zone podcast, you're going to want to subscribe 
to that. You don't want to miss an episode of the Press Zone. You're going to be getting all sorts of very important information about the Laval Rocket and the AHL, because as we said, uh, a lot of interesting storylines emerging out of Laval Rocket, uh, out of the Laval Rocket, excuse me. Uh, But yes, you're going to want to subscribe to that podcast and this podcast, The Canadian's Connection, as well. Uh, You don't want to miss an episode and you hit that subscribe button. You don't have to worry about it. And you can share as well on social media. Tell all your friends about us at the Canadians Connection podcast here on Rocket Sports Radio. Uh, So, Rick, with all that said, it's uh, been a bit of an earlier show than we are used to here on the Canadians Connection podcast. But we're glad to do that so we can watch the Montreal Canadiens and Ottawa Senators go at it for the uh, second half of a home and home series today and then of course as i said up uh, up next on the docket for the montreal canadians you've got the toronto maple leafs haven't seen them since opening night and that's going to be a very interesting game and then on a back-to-back you got the edmonton oilers so life life man it's it's heating up it's heating up very quickly for the montreal canadians so we will be back with you next week discussing all of that thank you for tuning in to the canadians connection podcast here on rocket sports radio Click subscribe so you never miss an episode of Canadians Connection. Visit allhabs.net for breaking news about the Montreal Canadiens.